Hey everyone, welcome back to uh, the Nintendo Prime Podcast, episode 10. Kind of the rebooted Nintendo Prime Podcast. Uh, we've had some issues, a lot of technical issues before we got this episode officially going. Um, but it's whatever, we got a special guest tonight up on the screen. We got Rule of Two Review, how's it going man? Good, thanks for having me on. I feel like everyone in the chat probably already met me, but... Uh... Pretty stoked to be on the podcast. Glad it's working. Lots to talk about. So, yeah. Thanks. Thank you, guys, for showing up. Oh, to my left, and you guys is right, is our co-host, Mr. Eric Moore. Hello, everybody. He will be here for all of our E3 stuff. Still working out our special guest list for all of E3. Uh, so, again, stick by us while we have a lot of technical difficulties. We will get this stuff sorted out week over week over week. Uh, this is the biggest technical difficulty we've had in a while, but this is also the first time we've attempted a two-computer setup. All right. Now. Let's get into the topics. We got some great stuff for you guys today. We got some Pokemon news. We got some Sakurai stuff we might need to clarify a little bit. Uh, we do have uh, also E3 talk we're going to get into. But the first thing I want to get right off the table is the Sakurai news. Because um, there, there's some confusion out there. I have people, after I put up my video, people messaging me, Hey, uh, have you seen what Push Justin said? Sakurai's not retiring. That's not actually what Push Justin said. If you guys go read uh, exactly what his words were. But we're going to clarify this because we do have uh, all the official translations at this point. Uh, but if you look at what Push Justin said, um, it was answering some questions. He says, is Sakurai retiring? Not yet. So let's clarify what's going on here. Uh, Mashihiro Sakurai does a weekly column on Famitsu. Uh, and in his latest column, he went deep into some stuff going on in his life and where he's at mentally. Uh, and one of those things he mentioned is he plans to be leaving Famitsu Magazine and no longer doing his weekly column that he's been doing since 2003. Did you guys know that? Since 2003, he's been doing this weekly column. Apparently, he's not even paid for it. It's just something he does because he enjoys connecting with gamers in a different way uh, and than you know, typical developers do with just interviews and stuff. And he said, he's talked a lot about his life and, and all that stuff throughout these columns over the years. And he said, hey, you know, around the time that the second DLC character for Smash Bros. comes out, he's going to be calling it a wraps, which he said is probably by the end of this year. Uh, he said, I still have a little bit more to give to uh, Famitsu Magazine, but then he's going to be calling it quits there. Now, he did go in-depth on other things, and this is where the confusion is, because, yes, he's leaving Famitsu. It doesn't mean he's not actually contemplating retiring. What he said specifically is that Sakurai... Um, has been having issues uh, having fun outside of work. And he thinks if he work, doesn't work anymore, if he retires, he will enjoy other aspects of life more. And because of that, he knows, and he, this is a big thing he said, I can't develop video games forever. So I am debating or contemplating when I'm going to step away. He's not stepping away yet, but as Push Justin even says, he says, is Sakurai considering retiring? The very first word Push Justin said is, yes. And that is the brux of the argument. Sakurai is considering retiring early. And when we say early, he's only 50. You guys realize that? Sakurai's only 50 years old. That, him retiring any time from now to 60 is young. Even retiring at 60 is young in the video game industry. So he is considering retiring young. Um, but he, for now, he still has stuff uh, that he is considering doing 
after he's done with the Smash Bros. DLC. We don't know what that stuff is. Don't know if it's a unique IP, if he's going to go back to Kid Icarus. We have no idea what, what, what he wants to do. Now, what we do know is he has talked several times over the years that he wants to be done with Smash Bros. Right? He's been saying that since Melee, that he wants to be done with Smash Bros. And he said in a, in a column back in December that he feels like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is an impossible Smash game to follow up. Now, again, he has said these kind of things about Smash before, but in this case, I think all of us can look at Ultimate and go, yeah, every character that's ever been in Smash is in this game. All yeah. you have left to do is add every stage, every musical, and all the new, like, you get to the, the point, I mean, there's, what, 80-plus playable characters in this game when it's all said and done? It's one of those situations where Sakurai is looking at it as, hey, I don't know that you can really make another Smash Bros. game. At least he doesn't think he can. Now, again, this is stuff he said before, but he's older now. Uh, for those who don't know, he ran into the health complications again last year while working on the DLC for Smash. Uh, and that's something to consider as well, is that his physical health is failing him the more he works. Now, Sakurai is a workaholic, and he kind of does it to himself, but he enjoys his work. And this is where he talked about how maybe it's time to step away so I can enjoy other parts of my life, which I think all of us can respect on some level. I saw some people panicking. What? Oh, I want my... He might not be making another Smash game again. So let's, let's start there. This could be it. Even if he doesn't retire, he might never touch Smash Bros. again. Because he doesn't know how you could top a game like Ultimate. The only other way to top his previous entries was to create the Ultimate Smash Bros. game. And he did. So, I'm going to toss this first off the Rule 2 review. What do you think about Sakurai potentially retiring early? Not yet. Probably got another game in, 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 in the belt. That he's going to put out. Don't know what kind of game. He's talked for years wanting to make a different game besides Smash. Um, so, like, what do you think? Should he retire early? Uh, do you want him to retire early? And if he's got one last hurrah, what kind of game are you hoping that he's going to spit out? Well, I mean, gosh, I mean, would I want him to retire early? That one's really tough because as a fan, I think anyone would want him to keep making games for as long as he wants. Uh, the, the concept of retiring, I think, is that it is a normal thing. Uh, 50 is young to retire. You're totally right. 50 is very young to retire, but it's not too young that you don't start thinking about retirement. And I think that that's maybe where some of the reactions are kind of coming from and people getting a little bit too worried, like, it's done, Sakurai's giving up, he's retiring. And it's like, oh, you know, definitely not. You, If you're going to retire, you're going to think about it and plan for it years and years ahead of time. You don't decide I'm retiring tomorrow. You decide I'm retiring in 7, 8, 10, um, so that's really what it, what the whole thing kind of sounds like. And I think most of us would agree he's earned his retirement, whether he did retire tomorrow or if he retires in 15 years at 65 or what have you. Um, the man is, has done amazing things for gaming and for Nintendo and all the Smash Brothers work he's done. Like you mentioned, Nate, like the guy's made himself sick a couple of times. Like he's almost put his health on the line just making these great games that we love. So I love... For him, I love the idea of him getting a chance to retire whenever it is. Like, you you work so long, you earn your retirement. We'll all retire it someday, and maybe Sakurai is going to do it sometime soonish, five, ten, or fifteen years. Um, you know, and following up Smash Brothers Ultimate, I know that that's also part of the conversation. And it, even when that game was announced, I remember discussing it and making video content about, like, here's a Smash Brothers game with every character. Where would Smash Brothers go after this game? And there really is almost no answer. What do you do? So hearing him talk about it that way, I think is interesting that he's 
He's thinking the same thing for himself and for Smash. I've already made the ultimate Smash. How could I make another one that tops this game? You probably can't. And so to answer the, the last question you asked too, like what would I want him to do next? I mean, you know, there's the, the cheesy answer, which is I want him to do whatever he wants to do, right? Which I do. I want him to just make something that makes him happy, makes him feel relaxed, doesn't make him put his own health on the line. Um, beyond that, just like as a fan, I mean, I'm a fan of like Nintendo platformer games. Um, so, and you know, whether he went back to something like a Kirby or a Kid Icarus, yeah, I'd love it if he went back to one of those. I'd love it if he made a new IP that's a little bit more action adventure platformer. Maybe, you know, they dabbled in that with the Subspace Emissary and Smash Brothers Brawl, so maybe he decides to just make a game that's more like that, but not in Smash Brothers. So, a lot going on. The man's done so much for gaming and for Nintendo. Like, he's allowed to start planning his retirement now. But, like you said, too, I still think it's a good couple of years off. I don't think this is a sudden thing that we have to do. What do you think, Eric? Oh, man. I mean, I can understand, yeah, for sure. If he's got health issues, you got to do what's best for himself. Um, so, no hard feelings there. Um, obviously, it could be... I could see him retiring and basically just taking a step away from something you know smash everything and then maybe in a year if he's starting to feel like it not necessarily come back to smash but come back and you know start de developing again things like that you know recuperate his health maybe you know get back i don't know where his mental state is things like that get kind of back in in line and then come back and start deving again not necessarily at smash but on um on a different game whether it's a new ip uh kirby kiddigers we've all touched on that um so you know yeah he's got to do the what's what's best for him obviously um i don't want to see him work himself to death because that would be the ultimate worst thing that could possibly happen or to you know physical impairment because he you know his his hands don't you know aren't He's not able to use his hands going on later in life, things like that. You don't want him to get to a point where he, he can't live. A, a, you know, a nice, life, a nice, a healthy life. life. Yeah, right, right, right. And because he's working, not because of other things. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I'm thinking and kind of where I stand on it. You know, he's got to do what's best for him, obviously. Um, so if he's retiring early, he's, he's, he's definitely deserved it, so... Yeah, see, I, I I saw a lot of panic today from a lot of Nintendo fans, a lot of Smash Bros. fans in particular, um, panicking about him retiring. And, and the funny thing is, in the panic, it seemed to be a lot of panicking because if he retires, we're never going to get the character we wanted in Smash. And I kind of look at this from, like, two different perspectives. For the fan that thinks that um, Sakurai retiring is bad news because you're not going to eventually get the character you want in Smash. You can kind of, like, bugger off, to be completely mm -hmm. honest. Um, one, Sakurai hasn't made character decisions on what ones are going to be in Smash for quite some time. Nintendo has been doing it. He said as much, probably to get people to off his back, stop e-bagging him for... People always talk about e-bagging on the channel. Oh, you're e-bagging for money. You guys are e-bagging for characters. You're on the internet begging Sakurai to put your character in when it's not even up to him anymore. He hasn't made character decisions probably since Melee. At this point, Nintendo's been controlling all these characters, and he finally put it out there because he was so tired of people pestering him about characters. And like, I don't make these decisions. 
I do what Nintendo tells me. They yeah. tell me this character's coming in. This is what we're doing. That's what that in that's what Sakurai said. So and, like when people got all mad about that Fire Emblem character when it got added, it's like he didn't make that decision. Nintendo made that decision to promote Fire Emblem Three Houses. So like yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things that it's out of his hands anyways. He just does his best to make the characters work. Now, he will go back to Nintendo and tell you if a character won't work. As an example, when there was an issue with Ice Climbers because of the 3DS version, right? Couldn't handle the processing on that duality character. He went to Nintendo and said, hey, I, I want Ice Climber. I just, I can't, it won't work. 3DS just isn't good enough hardware to pull off that character, so we got to cut. And like, okay, you know, Nintendo's going to listen to Sakurai when it comes to this. He, he is the ultimate controller of the IP, but it's Nintendo's IP. We got to remember, Nintendo controls everything. So the people that get upset that he's going to retire, potentially, and you're not going to get the character you want, one, <laughs> he might never make Smash Bros. again anyways. Two, there's no guarantee you were ever going to get the character you want, regardless of Sakurai. Don't be so selfish. Like, Smash Bros. is huge, right? It's still 20 plus million. If you think Nintendo is done with the IP, Sakurai or no Sakurai, you're sadly mistaken. Okay, they've been having Bandai Namco working directly with Sakurai and his team on the last couple of Smash Bros. games. On this game in particular, Sakurai has said for the first time ever he's letting other people on the development team play test the characters to balance the game. And why? Because he is setting them up for him to no longer be the person doing that. He's setting them up to not need him anymore. So, it is highly likely, whenever the next Smash Bros. game comes, which, by the way, I don't think we're going to get a new Smash Bros. It might be a decade. I think Ultimate, yeah. what's going to happen is they're going to bundle all the characters together, and on the next generation Nintendo platform, they're just going to say, here you go, here's Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Deluxe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. They're going to milk it for another 20 million sales on a new platform, and sure, maybe they add another Fighter Pass DLC or something, mm -hmm. right? They'll, they'll add on 5, 10 more characters, and they're just going to milk Ultimate again, because why wouldn't they? They mm -hmm. already have this amazing game all these characters they can keep it going one more generation mm -hmm. why the hell would they trying to start all over again with a new smash game is going to be very difficult as sakurai has noted it is very difficult to follow up the ultimate smash game 20 plus million in sales all these characters if you ever release a smash game that doesn't have all the characters people are going to be pissed off and it was so hard to do it as it is that they're just going to port it one more time they're going to add in some DLC characters to keep the hype going, make it extra 20, 25 bucks off people. Maybe even a second DLC, but maybe we get over 100 characters at some yeah. point on the next generation systems. No. Shoot for 256. But it doesn't mean that <laughs> But it doesn't mean that Sakurai is going to have anything to do with it at that point. He, he could be done. Right. Um, and then again, that's why I said it could be 10 years because they might not be even on the next gen system. It might be in the system after that before they finally consider, okay, let's try to rethink Smash Bros. Let Bandai Napco make the Smash Bros. game of their dreams or whatever. Um, and, and so, when you're of the perspective that Sakurai shouldn't retire for selfish reasons, get out of here. The guy, the guy's been suffering. His hands might get to the point he can't use them anymore if he keeps up the rapid pace he is with the way that he develops games. And you could argue that's his own fault, and you're correct. It is his own fault. But you want him to keep doing it? I'd rather the yeah. guy retire. Yeah. I'd rather him Maybe. retire than hurt himself. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, look, he's not actually going to retire yet. He's contemplate. He, contemplate. He's talked yes. about stepping away from Smash before. This is the first time he's talked about retiring. He brought it up unprompted. 
that he's contemplating retirement. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. He's young. And he's probably way more well-off than most of us are at 50 years old. Yep. He's done his time. He's probably made his millions. He has to have at this point, at least off ultimate. So yeah. all I want from him is to do what he wants to do. If he doesn't want to do Smash, and he's been saying forever he doesn't want to do Smash, he kept doing it in the past, and he spoke about it because of Iwata. Okay? And it's possible that Smash Bros. Ultimate was originally being conceptualized and started while Iwata was still alive. So that this could have been one of his last swan songs. So his, he was his best friend. He said publicly, Iwata was his best friend. So like one of the last swan songs for the Satura Iwata. And now that that's done, and he did what he feels is the best possible job he could ever do on a Smash game, he wants to step away from it. And he's taught for years he's got ideas for other games. If nothing else, if he wants to retire early, spend more time with his family, um, go on more vacations, enjoy his life. As he said, sometimes he feels like game development makes the rest of his life not fun because he puts so much time into game development, he doesn't have the time. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when you're hurting yourself, that makes the stuff you do do not enjoyable because you're in pain all the time. Mm-hmm. You're always going to the doctor. You're getting fluids. You're wearing casts and all these things to keep your wrist okay. And like at the end of the day, everyday normal activities, you know, hugging your wife hurts. And that sucks. So ultimately, I want him to at least step away from Smash Bros and be done with it after this fighter pass. Mm -hmm. I would like to see him just say I'm done. And people might get mad about that. But I'm sorry. We've gotten the ultimate Sakurai game. I don't need any more from him. Let Bandai Namco and Nintendo take it from here. And if the franchise bombs after this without Sakurai, so be it. Yeah, it happens. Okay? We can't keep relying on this guy to kill himself to make games. I want him to step away from Smash, and he's talked about other ideas he has from games. If he's only got one more game in him, if he's only got one more game, his health, his family, is only going to allow one more game to come out. I want it to be the game of his dreams. Mm -hmm. The game he wants to make. Not the Mm -hmm. game Nintendo wants him to make. Because remember, he is an independent contract employee. He doesn't technically work for Nintendo. He's contracted. His development studio is contracted to make games. He can... I don't know what the contract states, but I'm assuming... He can do what he wants. Mm-hmm. So if his contract is done after Ultimate, great. Let him make the game he wants to make. And he might make it for Nintendo. He's been making Nintendo games his whole life. High chance he's going to partner with Nintendo for whatever he's making. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he makes it for PlayStation. Maybe he makes it for PC. Maybe what he wants to make is some small little indie game. I don't care. Whatever Sakurai wants to do the rest of his career, he's earned it. Mm-hmm. He wants to retire at 55? Let him. He wants to make uh, small indie games the rest of his life that you guys might never care about, let him. He doesn't need the spotlight anymore. He's probably tired of the spotlight. He's complained so much about fans right. going after him for characters. And let me let me throw on top of that. Those people who are going after him are possibly the reason why he's contemplating retirement is so he don't have to doesn't have to deal with that constantly too. Physical so, and mental health. So all you people pestering him are part of the reason why he's contemplating retirement. So, you, lay off the man. I guarantee you, you make game development less enjoyable for him. Oh, for sure. Fair. And therefore, probably other things in his life. Yeah. So it, it, It's sad to say that, but, I mean, that's just the reality. I think, I think a lot of Smash fans, like, I saw the reactions today, and there were so many selfish comments, and I'm like, wow. Is this really what it's come down to with Sakurai? If it has, walk away, man. Mm-hmm. Walk well, away. And that's, um... 
sorry, that's that's kind of the the thing. Like, there's this weird, unique relationship I think that we've probably all noticed with Super Smash Brothers, Sakurai, and the fans. Right? It's just one of those things where the fans are so aware of him and so connected to him. He's always doing those updates on Twitter and on the websites, and it's and I feel like what we've maybe seen happen, which kind of leads to your guys' points about the fans demanding this and that, is that there's, it's got like a little bit of entitlement, I guess, maybe I have to use that word with people, right? Like, you need to do what I want with the character I want and do it with the game I want because it's Smash and you're Sakurai, and so I feel like I can yell at you about this. I mean, that exists in a lot of different yeah. franchises and mm-hmm. companies, but it seems like with Sakurai, the fan relation to him is just that much more unique and people really want specific things, and they feel... Mm-hmm. Oh, not everybody. Obviously, there's a lot of good people out there, too. Right? Like, you know, we're not trying to call everyone out. But those really vocal people that, Eric, you were bringing up, they're the ones who feel like they're allowed to yell at him and say, mm-hmm. do this the way I want it with Smash because it's mine. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And, and like you guys say, he obviously has struggled with health and all these things. There is a good chance that's been part of what's made it hard for him, too. Mm-hmm. And he's a really talented and creative guy he's so good at what he does making video games if he's got one or two games in him let him make some let him step away from smash which has dominated his life for decades right mm-hmm. let him do something different i think it, i think it could be so great to see what he could do that isn't smash brothers and like you said nate smash is probably still going to continue whenever he does step away it's not gone yeah it's the largest fighting game in the world guys mm-hmm. fighting games in case people didn't realize because, you know, we, we think as an Evo, we think because of, you know, the arcade cabinets, that fighting games are this big mainstream thing. Go look at fighting game sales. It's niche. Mm-hmm. The fighting genre is a niche genre. We know about the Street Fighters, the Mortal Kombats, but go look at the game sales. And then go look at the sales of action-adventure games. Go look at the sales of RPGs. Go look at the, the sales of FPS games. Go look at how many people are playing games like Minecraft or Fortnite. Mm-hmm. In comparison, fighting games are small potatoes. Like when Arms sold two million copies, that was one of the best-selling fighting games of that year. Only yeah. two million copies. It outsold some household names that year. And people are like, "Oh, Arms wasn't good enough. It didn't sell. Didn't sell enough. If that didn't sell enough, yeah. then all these other fighting games should be canceled." Right. And then you have Smash Bros. Okay, always at one of the top of the sale charts, and now twenty plus million unheard of for a fighting game unimaginable it's a phenomenon mm-hmm. it yeah. is a phenomenon of a game yeah unimaginable so yeah it's the ultimate smash game just from a sales perspective they're not gonna let smash die they might milk ultimate for as for as long as they can as sakurai's final project and you know maybe tacking on characters on the next uh console and all that but yeah they're you know the, again that's why i said it might be a decade before you see a new smash game and that's okay to me. I'm okay with it. Ultimate is that good. It's a multiplayer game. It doesn't die. So, yeah. Speaking of games, today we got some Pokemon news. Um, kind of unexpected because a lot of people are looking forward to uh, a Pokemon Direct or a Pokemon yeah. Presents or something because the Pokemon Company traditionally in early June does a presentation, especially when there's going to be E3. They present outside of E3, and then Treehouse shows off gameplay during E3. Um, but And we still might get that. But today we got release dates for all the Pokemon games that we're looking forward to, at least the major ones, right? Pokemon, uh, was it Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shiny Pearl? I think that's coming November 19th or 18th? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something like that. 
one of those two days. Uh, and then Pokemon Legends Arceus, who we were told was coming early 2022. Oh, it's coming early 2022. January 28th, 2022. Like, okay. All right. Uh, I thought some people thought that Legends Arceus might get delayed. Clearly not. Uh, I have heard uh, from Samus Hunter, if you're someone who subscribes to um, her, her rumors and her reports that she throws out there, uh, that one of the reasons why it's for sure hitting that date and can't be delayed is that next year, and I have a new video going out on this tomorrow, but we'll talk about it now. Next year, uh, there is going to be a new generation of Pokemon coming out. So the follow-up to Sword and Shield, the Whoa. next generation game is supposed to come in next year, so they can't delay Legends Arceus because yeah. they need Game Freak to get right back on the full team to get right back on that next generation game, so they can't delay the game. Now, this brings up some questionable uh, things. Because, like, what do you guys think about... We've only seen one trailer for Legends Arceus. Like, mm -hmm. when you watched that trailer, did it look like a game that still needed a lot more work? Man, it's been a while since I've seen it, so... See, to but... me, the only thing was... The frame rate didn't look good. Yeah, yeah. I would say, um, I would say it, it definitely did. But I'm in, I'm in the weird camp, and we kind of talked about this before the stream too, where I'm not really a Pokemon fan. Uh, but even though this game didn't look super finalized, it still kind of made me excited. So I'm in this weird camp of, I don't really like or play Pokemon. This game doesn't look finished. Like you're totally right. There's obviously a lot of work still to go. But more because of the concept, it still kind of made me excited, even as a non-fan. Um, but yeah, it's it it definitely still looks like it needs some work to be up to par with other games. Yeah, it it was weird to me. Um, like they clearly did a lot of uh, a lot of shots that compared it to Breath of the Wild uh, in that trailer, yeah. and and that's totally fine. Um, they clearly are drawing inspiration from that, um, and, and th this to them is the Breath of the Wild of the Pokemon franchise. And apparently, I've heard they've been working on it for at least three years. Uh, Breath of the Wild guys had five plus years of development, so like to pull it off in three years kind of feels weird. Kind of feels like it might be a bit of a smaller experience, which, again, I don't really expect a world as big as Breath of the Wild here. Let's be realistic. It's Sinnoh. It's not going to be as big as Breath of the Wild. But um, it's one of those things that, one, it's what I've wanted Pokemon to do since I was a kid. Okay, I've wanted them to go open world. I've wanted them to... Uh, Go outside of the confines of traditional Pokemon. And they haven't done it, really. I know, yes, Sword and Shield had, had the Wilds area. I'm sorry, they added a Hyrule field. That's not the same thing. Okay? I'm going to tell you right now, Ocarina of Time is a linear game. It's not open world just because there's a Hyrule field. And that's what they did in Pokemon. They added a Hyrule field. Okay, fine. That's nice. But it's still an enclosed, linear experience despite the fact that you can run all over a, a little open area. That's uh, fine. Okay. How's that any different than running in the grass on a path? The path is just bigger this time. Yeah. Okay. Everything revolves around a circle instead of revolving on straight lines. All right, cool. That's not open world. So I'm really excited for this game. Um, I don't... See, my, my whole trepidation with Pokemon Legends Arceus is, do I trust Game Freak to create such an innovative experience? And then my response is, I don't know. They haven't captured my imagination with Pokemon in decades. And then New Pokemon Snap comes out, and I just, I'm in love with this game. And by the way, the visuals in New Pokemon Snap made Sword and Shield look like an embarrassment. Um, oh my god. Yeah, it's a pretty game. It's it, a very pretty game. And now, I get it, guys, right? You're just snapping photos. Frame rate's perfect. 
the gameplay is practically perfect for what that game is. It is one of the most gorgeous looking Pokemon. It is probably the most gorgeous looking Pokemon game ever. Um, and you see what Bandai Namco, who made that game, is able to do with Pokemon. And you're like, okay, Game Freak, you need to step the hell up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. is it? Uh, sorry to cut you off. No, isn't that? Good. Isn't that? Isn't that kind of the thing though with um, with Game Freak and the Pokemon games? And this isn't like a call out. You know, I'm not trying to be a non fan calling out Pokemon or anything, but. You know, I've seen the discourse and the conversations, you know, I, all three of us obviously have. We're not huge Pokemon fans today, but we see what happens, and there's always seems to be this battle, weirdly kind of like with the Sakurai thing, uh, right? Where it's like the fans and Game Freak, like, you know, we, we want this, we, we expect more, and Game Freak constantly seems to kind of not really deliver for the fans, and again, as a non-fan, I see the games, I see the footage in the trailers, and it doesn't really look... Just visually, it doesn't look up to par with most other games, right? And, which is kind of what started this whole thing. Like, Arceus looks really cool, but it also looks unfinished, and they're trying to make it like Breath of the Wild, but it is nowhere near as impressive or complete or stable-looking as a Breath of the Wild. And I just think it's... I've always found it kind of funny, and I guess I, I would say frustrating, even as a non-fan, that Game Freak can be the developer behind one of the biggest gaming properties on the entire Earth, and they still can never really seem to get their games to kind of be on par with more of an industry standard with other games. Like, even in, from Nintendo, I'm not talking about comparing Pokemon to, like, PS5 games. Just when you compare Pokemon to even other Nintendo games on the same hardware, it's like it's never really there. Obviously, the gameplay seems to make fans happy, and that is most important. But there's something about Game Freak that it's like, with you know, and you bring up Bandai working on uh, Pokemon Snap, which looks fantastic and so it's like what's the disconnect there you know as a non-fan i just find it interesting seeing that dynamic yeah and how like an outside studio can make your games look better yeah. than you can look and it, yeah. it's weird because like someone someone brought up in the chat i can't remember who it was but they, they mentioned that like well wouldn't it be nice if like the pokemon team wasn't one third the size of bandai namco's team that they used on snap and it's like exactly that's one of the big issues yeah. is the pokemon company and they, i don't mm -hmm. even think this is a game freak issue the pokemon company likes things that come out on schedule they, they schedule the and everything is scheduled around each other right the anime is scheduled along with the games scheduled along with the tcg it all works in synergy so they have very very tight strict schedules that sometimes lead to only a year or two years max development on a pokemon game in the case of arceus apparently three okay fine which by the way i don't know how they're working on a new gen pokemon game while working on legends arceus when they don't even have a big enough team in my opinion for a single game Right. Guys, they have, they're rocking like less than 200 employees at Game Freak, the largest IP in the world mm -hmm. yeah. for merchandise, yeah. anime, and game sales. Movies as well. The largest IP in the world. Bigger than Mario. Bigger than Sonic. Bigger than whatever Sony's putting out there. Kratos and, and, and you know, Alloy. Bigger than everything. Bigger than Zelda. This thing is the biggest global icon IP in existence. And the development team is under 200 people. How does that happen? How do they not have a 500, 1,000-person team making two, three games at a time with 300-plus employees on every single game? How is this not happening? Yeah, and again, I was going to add to that point, too, Nate. It's the fact that we also know they're always kind of making a couple of games at any one time. So if their team is that small, it's almost like each team becomes smaller because they te they're going to have to be dividing some people mm -hmm. between multiple projects. So it's not like all 200 are on one game. It's like some are on this game, some are on the other game. 
Yeah, and I think what happened yeah. was I think I think why we're even getting Legends Arceus because I don't think this was a plan for them five years ago. Don't think they were mm-hmm. thinking about this game. They were thinking of Sword and Shield. Let's go, and then they were going to move on and do their normal thing. Okay, we're mm-hmm. going to take Sword and Shield. We're going to go remake uh, Diamond and Pearl in that engine, and then we're going to have another game come up that, that's the next generation that follows up Sword and Shield. That's just a little bit better, you know, a little bit prettier, a little bit more three D, but not quite there. Maybe a little bit more open, but not quite. They were going to keep doing the minor things they've mm-hmm. been doing, and what led the Legends Arceus. And after all, this is the first time if you think about Shining, uh, Brilliant Diamond, and Shining Pearl. First time they've had a remade Pokemon game being made by an outside company, not Game Freak, is what happened is they saw what happened because Zelda team used to be the same way. They were split up. They had a you know small team making top down, and you had the ones making the, the the giant 3D ones. And they you know sometimes they would get disappointing sales, like the Skyward Sword was disappointing. Um, you know they would sit around four to six million in sales every single time. And then one time ever, Nintendo takes their handheld and console teams, puts them together. Brings in Monolith Soft. Next thing you know, they got a 500 plus team making Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild comes out and more than doubles the sales of the best selling Zelda game ever. Which, by the way, guys, combined sales over 8 million. Twilight Princess was the best they ever had for for a single release. You could talk about multiple releases of games and adding up Ocarina of Time 3D with the. But in terms of single releases, Twilight Princess was the best selling one at 8 million units. Breath of the Wild's at $23 million. Which one do you That's think they made more money on? It's it's three times as many copies. They're still selling it. Yeah. Today. We know a sequel is coming, maybe even this year. Mm-hmm. And they're still selling it at full price. And they're selling it at multiple millions per year. They just sold like 4 million copies of it in the last year. Mm-hmm. That's like what the old Zelda game used to sell overall for the lifetime. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild is massive, and Pokemon saw that, and they go, you know, what if we did that to Pokemon? Could we sell 40 million? Maybe. Maybe. You've never tried. Mm -hmm. You've always settled. The cheapest we could develop a game, we're going to guarantee sell 10 million every single time. Cheapest development, 10 mil plus, we're happy with that. Then they saw the Zelda team do that, and they're like, oh, shit. So we, we can double? Like, they, no one thought Zelda could ever sell 20 million. We were talking about how maybe Zelda Wii U, if it nails it and the Switch is popular, it could break 10 million. Yeah, it did that in year one. Mm-hmm. No problem. So it's like, and we're not even, by the way, we're not even counting in Wii U sales. It's got Wii U sales, and I think it's at 25 million plus. So, like, this is insane. What, what, so they saw that, and they go, well, we're finally going to take a remake away because we, we still want to release our almost yearly games. So we want to make our quick money. But how do we make our quick money but still try to create this big experience? We'll outsource the game. And so you see people upset at the outsourcing and the chibi art styles. And okay, fine, be upset. But that's what Game Freak wanted to do to maintain revenue income and not not lose revenue. But then also be able to try to make their Breath of the Wild. The problem I have is they're not taking the amount of years. And it doesn't seem like they're increasing the team size enough to really pull off a Breath of the Wild. See, Nintendo said, screw it. Bring those teams together. Okay, so now we got 250, 300 employees. Then we'll take 200 from Monolith Soft, and ba-bam, biggest development team in Nintendo history. Mm-hmm. Working on a game. Mm-hmm. Doing record numbers. And the Pokemon company, as far as we're aware, hasn't reached out now. One interesting thing is we saw a recent hiring uh, from Monolith Soft. They had like 40-plus people they were hiring. Some of them listed Pokemon. That's interesting to me, because that now means Monolith Soft is helping the Pokemon company. 
So how many people from them are helping out with Legends Arceus who worked on Breath of the Wild? It's one yeah, of those. I hope that's true. Yeah. I, I really hope that. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. no, you're good. Um, Cut you're me off, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to say, I really hope that that's true. And I hope that there's a fairly significant amount of people from Monolith that go over to help with Pokemon Arceus, just because that game is trying to do the open world thing. Monolith, like you mentioned, was really successful helping the Nintendo internal team make Breath of the Wild. Like, look at what they delivered as far as a true open world. I mean, it's, I played tons of open world games. Breath of the Wild, that world blows them all away. And so you get the Xenoblade guys helping with this Pokemon Legends Arceus, you know, Game Freak obviously maybe needing a little bit of help there. I just, I hope that it's a significant amount of people. I hope that they really are working on Arceus and not necessarily something different. And, you know, I mean, so they just gave us the release day, which we know is January. I'm personally okay with it because it's the first Pokemon game I'm considering buying and being excited for now. Um, so I don't mind that it's coming out in January, but when you consider what it looked like just whatever two months ago, and then you go fast forward a year to January when it comes out, like how much better could they make it look with just their normal team? But you bring in the monolith dudes and maybe they can make it that much more impressive between now and January. Well, and I also so wonder... That's my hope. Yeah, I also wonder, like when we saw the game, how much of the game is done versus how much just needs polishing? Because right. when we saw it, it's possible the entire game's already done. Mm -hmm. And now they want a year to improve the visuals, improve Polished frame it. rate, all this yeah. stuff. And that's what Monolith is. Because Monolith got heavily involved when they said, hey, we want to bring this to Switch. We need people who know what they're doing. They brought in Monolith off. So I'm wondering if like maybe when we saw it, it was actually an almost complete game. So now I do believe if it was an almost complete, they do have the time to polish it and, you know, Take mm -hmm. nine months to, to get that thing going. Mm -hmm. COVID's obviously starting to come to a close. You can start getting to people back in the office and really make this game come to life. And I'm that's the thing, like a brux of the development happened during COVID, and it just makes me wonder, like, how the hell did they do this? And is it going to live up to what fans expect? Because they have to know, based on just just how many people watch that trailer, the multiple millions of people that watch that trailer on YouTube, the the expectations on this are astronomical. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of skepticism, but we're going to sell 10 million of this thing day one. This mm -hmm. can't bomb. Yeah. Or we could never do it again. They'll never take a risk again. Because this, this is a risk game for them. They could have put the team and made Diamond and Pearl look prettier. But instead, this is what they're doing. Um, so it's a risk. I applaud them yes. for taking the risk. Yes. Because Game Freak isn't technically usually a risky studio. But the Pokemon company's letting them do it. They've clearly inspired by Breath of the Wild. Clearly, they saw what Nintendo did with Zelda and said, we should do that with Pokemon. You absolutely are right. You should be that ambitious with Pokemon. It takes a several amount of years to do that. How's ambition going to fit into the Pokemon company's schedule? Oh, well, we're going to make this as a prequel, so it doesn't really fit within the anime and stuff. It's just kind of something that happens before one of the main games. Okay, fine, but then how does the next game keep up? You know, do you, do you have a separate team in a separate studio already working on your next gen game, and then the po game freaks are gonna come in and take over after? I have, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand the inner workings. Hardly anything gets leaked about the inner workings of the Pokemon Company. They're very secretive. If I play one second of the Gotta Catch 'Em All music on my channel, I get a copyright strike. They are very, <laughs> very restrictive of their IP. It's insane. It's insane. Like, I can't even hum the lyrics and they put a strike. Well, no, they'll claim the video. They won't strike it if I hum it. But if I play the real, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, this is the company 
where some people during E3 were having a Pokemon club meeting. It's a separate fan club they made, having it at a bar, and they shut it down because Pikachu was in the flyer. <laughs> Jesus. They weren't going to lose money. These were Pokemon fans coming together to have some drinks and probably play some trading card game. Yeah. And they shut it down because Pikachu was in the flyer. Like, this is how restrictive the Pokemon company is with their IP. They won't even let fan gatherings happen on their own. That's all built around their IP and benefits them. Right. So, yeah, I, do I trust Game Freak? Not at all. No. But maybe I, what I should be saying is, do I trust the Pokemon company to allow Game Freak the time to do it right? That no. might be it. <laughs> allow them the budget to hire enough people to do it right? No. My only hope is because of those monolith soft hirings that they reached out to Nintendo and Nintendo said, hey, we got a studio for you. Let's help you out. Because this is our reputation on the line. Either that well. or they didn't reach out and Nintendo just well, said, Pokemon, I, let us help you. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> Eric, that's what I was wondering the same thing. What yeah. if Nintendo was like, hey, we know how to make this right. Yes. Maybe that's... Yeah. I mean, because I remember, ultimately, the Pokemon company doesn't get the backlash. It's always Nintendo. It, right. And but maybe, Nintendo just traditionally, we don't really care like how many millions I, they sold. We'll just eat the backlash. Right. But I think there's it got to the point where they were starting to take notice. Because I've seen them start to take notice on other things, too. Like their online stuff, their, their things like that. Maybe they are starting to kind of realize, oh, maybe we should start to take notice of our fans a little bit. Listen to them. And they're constantly seeing, why isn't the Pokemon games advancing why does it kind of just feel like the same thing over and over and over again and you know maybe they're now like okay we are helping you you get no choice in this and we will kind of tell you i mean granted yes i know they're a minority owner but to a certain extent i'm guessing they went we are helping you so fix this issue yeah so 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 nintendo owns this is this is what i've been been reported. Nintendo owns 60% of the actual Pokemon IP copyright. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's the ownership rights. It doesn't mean that's the cut they get on everything. Right. It, like, you know, for Pokemon Go, their cut on that's way smaller. They just give the okay for the IP rights, but they don't take all, you know, all those profits away from the Pokemon company and all that. They let the Pokemon company operate independently and all that, because that's just, that's how it works. It, it just works best that way. Nintendo doesn't have to worry about managing the cartoon series and the movies and mm -hmm. all that, right? So, but Nintendo, if you look at it, every single cartoon series, you go to the credits, Nintendo's in the credits. Yeah. Because they're an IP holder. Um, so, yeah, I, I wonder if it's one of those Game Freak, you know, because Nintendo's going to know what they're making for their system because all console games have to be exclusive to Nintendo. That's part of the that's Nintendo's stipulation with their IP rights. And they had to know this game was being made, and that's why it's like, did Nintendo be like, oh, you're going to make an open-world Pokemon? One second. Monolith is going to help you out. Yeah. Period. You get no choice. Period. Because you're not messing this up. Oh, you're inspired by Breath of the Wild? We're, we're glad. You can't screw this up. You screw yeah, this up, we get burned. Yeah, right. Not and you. You can, just, you can just fall back and just go back to recent remakes and stuff yeah, and be right, fine. Right. We deal with the backlash if this can't live up to Breath of the Wild. Right. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, like, why would Game Freak not be willing to listen to Nintendo? Like... Nintendo's not perfect, but they're a legendary game developer. They've been doing it for decades. There's a great Pokemon video game Nintendo relationship. So if those conversations happened, almost no matter who started it, whether it was Nintendo that approached Game Freak or vice versa, I mean, why wouldn't they listen, especially when they are taking that risk, like you said. They're like, we're going to try to finally make a totally different kind of game than we're used to. 
And Nintendo, the company we've been working with for decades, they're really good at this kind of game. So I just feel like they had to have been open to that advice. Granted, it's got to show in the final product, and so we have to wait until January to see if it actually delivers between Monolith and Nintendo and everyone working on it. But, I mean, why wouldn't they listen to them? Nintendo knows what they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty, like, hopeful, even though I'm not a Pokemon guy, because I want to find a Pokemon game that makes me excited and that I enjoy. I'm hopeful that Arceus, like, turns out to be awesome, and it looks great, and it's fun, and it's a big adventure game. Because that's the way to get me personally into Pokemon. Just make it a big adventure. I don't care if you copy Zelda. I'll, I, I like Zelda. So if you copy a game in a series I like, you're going to probably capture me. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards optimism, even though there are frustrating aspects to Game Freak. I want to hope that they deliver with that game, you know, because Absolutely. of all that help. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously, these are the only games happening around the Switch. We got E3 around the corner, right, guys? It's right there on the logo in the back. We got E3 2021 coming up, our big pre-show. $3,500 worth of giveaways going on. Whole bunch of crazy stuff. Bunch of special guests, competitions. One of us is going to be dressed as Tingle for an hour. Another one's going to be probably dropping three shots of tequila. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another's going to be, uh, you know, have, doing the hot chip challenge. Oh, yeah. A whole bunch of crazy stuff. We're going to have a lot of fun, and you guys are going to win a lot of really cool stuff. But here's the thing. E3 is about the games. E3 is about what's announced. It's about the presentation. We're covering all that. We're covering it all live. And we're obviously very curious what the hell Nintendo's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, now, big shout out to Nintendo Academy. Uh, earlier in the stream, he did a $5 Super Chat, and he said, this is for the hustle. E3 hype is at an all-time high. And I think it's at an all-time high for me, too, because I miss it. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I miss it. We, we didn't yeah. have it last year. Yep. And it, honestly, if I think everyone's honest with themselves, we could all tell E3 was missing. What it was replaced yeah. with didn't really replace it. Summer Game Fest spread out all throughout summer didn't really work. And now Jeff Keighley's doing it all in one night. Okay. He learned. Yeah. It didn't really click for people to do it all summer. Um, so, like, it's one of those things where it did, you know, Ubisoft Forwards, there was like two of them last year. Anyone even remember what was taught about that, those things? No one remembers because they were solo events on their own in the middle of months just like Nintendo Directs, but not with lacking the exciting announcements. Instead of having it all packed together, one presentation, along with everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, we all remember the bad E3s for Nintendo and the good E3s for Nintendo. Everyone remembers that stuff, because it all happens at an industry-wide event, and mm -hmm. we missed that last year. There were attempts at it. You know, there was the Digital Game Developers Conference. There was the Digital um, Gamescom. But none of it really felt quite like what E3 was. So E3's back. And Logan LeBlanc mentioned, uh, he did a $2 super chat. I don't really know how I'm going to fit this one in. So I'm just going to bring up the super chat because it's kind sort of irrelevant to whatever we're talking about. He just wanted to say that he still wants Wii Sports on Switch. I like it. So I had to get that comment in. Literally has nothing to do with any of the topics today. Why not? But Who cares? Hey, you know what? I do say people super chat. We'll bring it up. I try to, I try to grab your guys' super chats and like inject them where it makes sense. That one made sense nowhere. So... Got it. Wii Sports. You want it on Switch. Got it. It made sense right here. Right here. Uh, so E3. Um, obviously, we've been talking a lot about this at the channel. Uh, I'm sure you have too as well a few times. And like, I I've been covering a lot of Samus Hunter stuff, and she put out there three games that she's guaranteeing are at E3. One of them is Breath of the Wild 2, which I think a lot of people feel like that's going to be shown. Um, Jeff Grubb came out and said 51% chance it gets shown. Basically, he doesn't know if it's going to get shown, but he's like, I mean... They got to show it at some point this right. year, and AJ normally said that they would. 
So why not yeah. E3? Um, and then uh, he said we're also going to see Splatoon uh, 3, which is interesting because they just announced it, not till next year. But then you start thinking if it's an early 2022 game, it would make sense to start maybe talking about it because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if it's coming out in March, if 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 Pokemon Arceus is in, uh, you know, uh, January, why can't why, why can't we expect Splatoon three in March? Yeah, coming right before the end of the fiscal year. Uh, supposedly he said there might be, even be a tournament by Nintendo Treehouse, so it's kind of like okay, well, if it's that playable that they could do a tournament. I mean that game's that game's gotta be wrapping up soon, right? Eh, not necessarily. Even though it's not coming out this year. Not necessarily. You can polish one polish one level real easy. Sure. To Sure. To make But, but if you're at the point that you can polish one level so much that you can play it, then how many other levels are I don't unpolishing know. at that point? I don't know. You know, it, yeah. it's one of those things where, you know, and it's a game they trickle out content for for years. No, so right. it's not like they necessarily no, not, have to have a yeah, lot at launch anyways. I'm not they saying proved that, that with Splatoon 1, by the way. Splatoon 1 was severely lacking content at right. the beginning. Yeah. And like a year later, it was way better. Right. But all those updates were free. So who knows what they're going to do there. Um, by the way, Splatoon 3. I'm sorry. Um, it looks so much better than Splatoon 1 and 2 just from a visual perspective. It almost it feels like it's a, it yeah. feels like it's a PlayStation 5 game. If I mean, <laughs> compared to what we've gotten. There you go. So... A little, little crazy there. Uh, and then he said we're also going to get Smash Bros, which, character announcement, something like that. I mean, I think that's kind of expected at this point. We have half a year left to supposedly get two characters. Yeah. Getting the character announcement, I think, is expected. Um, so let's just start with, with, with that. And I think, I think one thing I, I want to know from you guys is, do you think at the C3, if Breath of the Wild 2 is there, let's just presume it is, mm-hmm. are they going to give us a release date? And when do you think that release date is going to be? So I, I definitely lean towards yes, but that's because I, I have long said I believe that game is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if for some reason that game is a 2022 release or later, which a, a lot of people think, you know, and I don't even know, maybe you guys think that. Everyone's all over the place. If it's a 2022 game or later, then there's a great chance we don't get the title and we don't get the date. But I just, man, I, I search inside myself as a Zelda fan. And a Nintendo fan, I'm like, that game is coming out. I think it's the big holiday title. It makes perfect sense. Even though, you know, Skyward Sword releasing this year becomes like, you know, your one Zelda game for the calendar year, which we know they like to do. So releasing Breath of the Wild 2 this year would make two Zelda games in one year. And so that throws a wrench in things a little bit. But I, I think with the anniversary, the 35th anniversary, I don't know if Nintendo's worried about that. So because I personally believe that game will be coming out in 2021, I would think that they have to give us the date and the title, which would be just what they did with the first game, 2016, when all we knew was that it was a Wii U game, and they showed off the Wii U game in 2016, and they gave us the official title, said it's, well, they did, to be fair, they didn't give us the date, actually. They, they said they it would launch, the title. yeah, they said it would launch alongside NX and simultaneously. They did, the, yes, you're right. But we didn't know when yeah, NX right. was coming at that point. They, well, why would they reference NX, and you're like, wait? You're talking That's to your true. next-gen system, but you're not going to tell us what that it is? Weird. Yeah. yeah, it was really weird. That was a, that was a very exciting strange time. E3. Yeah. It's exciting, but also like, but when does this thing come? And everyone thought it's got to be holiday, right? It's got to be holiday. And then it wasn't, so. But. Well, but the thing is, do you think that if, the, let's pretend that was releasing and there was no NX at the time, there was no next-gen console, mm-hmm. I, I would not have been surprised if that game would have been the holiday title. Oh, I think but it would have been. Yeah, right. The Wii U, I mean, I love the thing, but it was a failure. They had, they knew they had a Switch coming in March the next year. 
So they're like, we just delay it four months from November, five months, whatever, from November to March, and then it launches the new console. I think that was the expect. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Clearly. I mean, I, I've always been of mind that I think it would have came out on time in 2015 if they weren't considering that they get they get about Maybe. a little bit into 2015. Well, I think what happened is, because when they announced it in 2014, right, they were still holding a hope for Wii U, okay? That Wii U is going to boom. It, it just needs to get some games to boom. <laughs> and then holiday season went through in 2014. Because remember, they showed off gameplay of this game on Wii U at the Game Awards. And the and, 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 and the gameplay looked great. The world looked massive. It looked like a lot of the game was there already. And then and all of a sudden, it was using gamepad, by the way. Yeah. Sorry to cut you, but it was remember which the Wii U version ended up not having. But at that time, the gamepad was a huge feature. Yep. And then literally, like three or four months later, AJ Noma comes out and like looks kind of sad to be honest. And he yeah. says, "Yeah, this game is delayed yeah. indefinitely." And he wouldn't really tell us why. And it felt weird because we just saw him play it. Yeah. Like, why is it delayed? Turns out they have a new system coming. And I think what happened mm -hmm. is they got past the holiday period. The sales came in, and Nintendo's like, yeah, Wii U's not turning around. <laughs> nope. And this is our most expensive made game ever. We can't we can't put it on this, this platform. This is a perfect we can't. launch title for our We just can't do that. We're going to send it out system. to die like we did with Skyward Sword. Yep. And it'll be yep. even worse because nobody owns a Wii U. Mm -hmm. We're going to be entering the, what, fourth? third holiday period at that point in 2015 and hope that suddenly now the system's going to catch on when it bombed in 2012, it bombed in 2013, and now it bombed in 2014? Mm, yeah, Nintendo's not going to waste their most expensive game ever on a system that has no shot to, to turn it around. Um, I, I truly think in, in years down the road, I think that we'll all be able to look back on that choice to take Breath of the Wild and make it a dual release, launch their next console, we will look back on that as one of the smartest decisions they ever made. Oh, yeah. Because I think it's, it's one of the main, main, main reasons the Switch started so strong and then kept that, oops, kept that momentum going. By Without the way, Breath of the Wild, it could be so different. Mm -hmm. By the way, guys, Nintendo's two most successful home consoles, because they still call Switch a home console, ever, because Switch is already the number two most successful, will become number one probably at the end of this fiscal year. But it has a potential to be their best-selling system of all time mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. Um, a shot at it, anyways. I don't know if it's going to pass DS, but it has a shot if they can keep sales momentum going. Which, by the way, 2022 is already looking packed. So, like, clearly, I don't think sales is slowing down in the next well, couple of years. And we'll see what 2023 brings. And another, but, another momentum onto it with the enthusiast model, yeah, too. Yeah, supposedly Switch I mean, Pro, too, as well. Yeah, I mean, enthusiast games. That's just going we'll to sales even more here. We'll see what happens. But... If you think about it, the Wii, what did they do? They delayed Twilight Princess on GameCube to launch on Wii. Why? GameCube failed. We spent some good money on this. Look at the reaction at E3 2014. We need to put this on something new. So they do release it. Well, they did. technically they delayed the GameCube release a month because they're dicks. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the GameCube or, like it would have hurt sales at launch at all. Especially since Wii sold out and you couldn't even buy the damn thing. But anyway, yeah. I was actually uh, I was actually at that E three in two thousand four when they announced that. That's yeah, the one that's... time I've been to E three. Probably two thousand four. Did I say fourteen? I meant four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah. So like, okay, so so they delayed the game and launched it on Wii. Helped the Wii blow up along with Wii Sports. You had your massive enthusiast game, mm -hmm. then you had your Wii Sports. But boom, blew yeah. up the blew up the platform. Um, and then they did it again. Except this time around, there really wasn't anything but Breath of the Wild at launch. Yeah, that's one why you switch. One, one two, two switch. switch. That's it. Yeah. 
if one two switch is packed in, oh, yeah. I think it could have had yes. a similar impact to Wii yes. Sports. I think that's the because mm-hmm. I owned one two switch. Um, it's really fun. It is a great party game. It really is. But nobody's spending sixty bucks on that. Yeah, no. As a packing game, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think that's maybe one of Nintendo's greatest regrets is that they didn't pack that game in. Um, even though the system did so well, it's one of those. Yeah, but imagine the DLC and other things you could end up bundling in when you know 80-plus million people own that game, just like with Wii Sports. Mm-hmm. Or you could end yeah. up doing a 1-2-3, a, a right? Instead of a 1-2-switch, a 1-2-3-switch, do a sequel like they did with Wii Sports Resort, and that ends up selling 20 million copies because everyone already has the first one, and they love it. Mm-hmm. Like I think they missed an opportunity there for a sequel to become a franchise to do really, really well if they would have packed it. Because... Think about what 1-2-Switch was. It was literally a proof of concept for everything the system can do. So it that's a little weird then. So is their biggest uh, achievement and their biggest regret all within the launch of the system? Probably. <laughs> I think so. Breath probably. of the Wild so, yeah. and not packing in 1-2-Switch. In yeah, probably. The biggest success and the biggest regret. Mm-hmm. What's, what, I think what's funny about 1-2-Switch is like, for me, when you see how successful um, Ring Fit Adventure has become, even though that was helped with the pandemic, but I think even without the pandemic, it would have sold well. I think that that kind of shows that a game like 1-2-Switch could have had a huge market if it didn't maybe release at that launch period, right? Because at that time, it had the stigma of being, oh, it's like Wii Sports, but instead of free, it's 60 bucks, like mm-hmm. you said. Right. But if it had come out maybe in 2020, 1-2-Switch, you know, Labo sold really well out of the gate. Ring Fit Adventure, I bet 1-2-Switch could have sold a lot more in 2019 or 2020. Yeah, probably. Is what yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, so, we know about those potential three games, which, again, I think a Splatoon, a Splatoon 3 is there and is featured. That's got to be early 2022, just my opinion. I don't know why you'd take up segments at E3 for... I mean, like, if you think about it, we don't really... Besides the Iron Sword uh, HD and the Pokemon games that we now have dates for, we don't know anything about the second half of this year. At all, nothing. Mario Golf. I mean, that's Mario really Golf is the first half still. That's June. It's June. Yeah, you're that's right. First, that's first six months. So we have we have we have uh, July taken care of with Skyward Sword because we know that traditionally, at least what it's looked like in the past, they like to have at least something coming out every month. Obviously, last year they didn't. 2019 they did. 2017 they kind of had something coming out every single month. 2018, I guess. I guess it's almost every other year they kind of have a down release slate year. Not necessarily that they don't have major games. Like, last year, you can't say they don't have any major games when that's when Animal Crossing came out. Like, the major game of the year. Um, Literally 30 million plus, unheard of. There there is also No More Heroes 3, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. So that's big. Shin Megami Tensei 5 is supposed to come this year, but we don't have dates for any of this stuff. It's just No More Heroes is August. That has a date? date? Okay. Okay. Yeah, it does have a date. That does have a date, okay. Just recently. Okay, yeah, and, and see, like, and Nintendo didn't make that game, so maybe that's why I didn't pick... I, I, I see, I, I like No More Heroes. I really do. Um, and I'm excited, because this is, like, not like the, the Travis Touchdown Strikes Again game. Like, this is an actual No More Heroes game, so... Um, and by the, way, by the way, the, the, the Strikes Again game was fine. It was good. It just, like, that's not what we wanted. We wanted an actual No More Heroes game, so we'll see. I hope it does well. In fact, it's exclusive. It's going to do well, because, like, every exclusive game on Switch just keeps blowing up no matter what it is mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler exclusive at first blow up and then they bring it to other platforms so we'll yeah. see um, it, it, it's kind of even like even something like a Ninjala 7 million plus installs yeah. they announced like, it's awesome if they're exclusive on Switch you're gonna sell well 
If you're an indie game that couldn't find traction, but you're actually really good, come to Switch. You're probably going to blow up on Switch. Mm-hmm. If, if if we can find your game on the eShop. Did uh, Ninjala sell 7 million copies? Yes. Not sell. Download. It's a free-to-play. So download 7 million. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. yeah. That's still impressive, though. That's very oh, impressive. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and, you know, it's in and out. Some days you can find matches pretty easy. Some days you can't. So it's always how many active players do you have. I don't know, but they they keep releasing content, so they're clearly making money off it. Um, what we might consider successes when we're thinking of the Fortnites or you know the Zeldas or whatever isn't necessarily what Gung Ho considers a success. Um, right now, it's one of the most played Gung Ho games of all time. So they clearly are very very happy with the success of this game, mm-hmm. and it might eventually go to other platforms too. And then you can have cross platform play, and that can increase the player base as well. But we'll see. I don't know if they're working on that yet. Um, but so for E three. I want to end it, end it kind of like this because I think we got to get this wrapped up for you. Is every time we have a guest, a new guest on that we haven't had on before, I got to be like, what do you want Nintendo to do at E3? Because mm-hmm. seriously, we talk about it all the time, but I never hear from others because I'm too busy talking. I won't shut up. <laughs> so, r- <laughs> rule of two review. What do you want to see Nintendo do at E3? I mean, I really, it sounds cliche, man, but I just want to see them surprise. Obviously, like the. There's so many leaks and rumors, and I think that we all have reason to believe a lot of that stuff. And it's really exciting. Um, I'd love to see something that is a surprise. Um, I want to see them have a really, just a tight-knit, efficient E3 Direct, right? Like, when you think about their best presentations over the years, whether it was in the press conference days or the Direct days, like 2014's, for example, we talked about when they first revealed Zelda, when they have a when they have just an efficient show that's just bang 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 and it's cool game after cool game after cool game, Nintendo first party stuff that's just it just is such a fun time. It adds such an element of fun to E3, um, you know. And as a fan, there's obviously things I want. I'm a huge Metroid, so tons of Metroid in the conversation right now. I've believed in it for a very long time. Uh, I would love to see Metroid make an appearance at E3, even though I think there's a great chance it shows up later in the year. That would be something just as a fan I'd like to see, and I want to see them obviously give a date and a name for the new Zelda game. Um, but yeah, I just want them to surprise us, and I want them to have a good show, because it always sucks, man, when they give any Direct, whether it's an E3 or a regular Direct, and if it doesn't feel like it's firing on all cylinders, and you've got so many people who are yelling and disappointed, and people start fighting, like, that sucks, man. No, no one likes that. We don't like that stuff. And here's the... I mean... I'm I'm a fan, so I've been disappointed in directs. That happens a lot, but it's about when people get mad about being disappointed, and then you got everyone yelling. So I just, you know, it's cheesy, but I just want them to have a good show, a fun direct with a lot of surprises. Um, I'm surprised to hear about Samus Hunter talking about Splatoon 3. I thought that was very fascinating. I didn't really expect for that to have a big presence this year because I, it's a next year game. So if that turns out to be true, that'll be a fun surprise. Because I wasn't expecting it. Um, An actual yeah, gameplay and stuff. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd be sweet. Yeah, right. yeah, or a tournament like you were talking yeah. about. If they do that, I mean, that's great. I hope they do that. Stuff, so. yeah. yeah, and Metroid, it, it really seems like uh, it, it really does seem like 2D Metroid is a lock for E3. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's coming. There's so many, like, yeah, Samus was shot. Not just Emily Rogers is now is now telling people to look forward to 2D Metroid at E3. Uh, you're in Jeff Grubb mm-hmm. come out. Uh, we're hearing, you know, even e- e- even like Nate the Hate is saying on his podcast that like it, it really just seems like that game's a lock. It really seems like we know who's making it. Um, it-, it- it's like 
that's really cool that you know we have Metroid Prime Four someday. I have maybe. a feeling it's next E3. You think you think next E3 is Metroid I think next E3? E3 is Metroid E3. You think that's gonna be the Metroid E3? Prime E Prime E3. <laughs> wow, and we'll be mm. there. <laughs> Hopefully, mm. I mean, I think so too. People, people keep saying that like when when they when they reveal Prime, isn't that the prime time for Nintendo Prime? Well, because yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, finally we get the game that matches the name, right? right. right. Um, uh, Taker six ten, uh, thank you for the two dollar uh, super chat, and he has a question for Rule of Two: uh, Who is your evil apprentice? Oh, okay. That so he he asks that because my name Rule of Two review, the name of my channel is a is like a Star Wars reference. Yep. Um, okay. And so that makes me the master at that point. Who would be my evil apprentice? Oh, man. I don't know. I uh, mean... Eric, do you want a job, Eric? Do you want to be the evil apprentice? I can, Why not? I, 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 yeah. I can be evil. Okay, perfect. You're hired, right? Oh, bro. Yes. <laughs> Nate, you suck. I'm out. <laughs> Come over to my channel. Oh, boy. Oh, I suck. Um, awesome. Uh, yeah. It, so, like, yeah, the 2D Metroid thing, that, that seems like a lock. Um, obviously, DK and other things have been talked about along along the lines as well. Potentially, people wanting new Mario, Mario Kart, Nintendo Kart. There's a whole bunch. Of, like, what, what I find so fascinating is, yeah, we have a lot of a lot of supposed leaks and rumors, but we don't have any facts. We don't have any Nintendo or like even, even when we talk about, oh yeah, 2D Metroid's a lock. We don't have any screenshots or like right. anything out there. We don't know what this looks like. We don't. There's no media release. There's no. Yeah, like, like that's what I think is so cool about this upcoming E3 is. All these companies, and we don't really know what's going to be at E3. We have ideas, leaks, and rumors, and those are fun to speculate and talk about. But fact-based, this is for sure coming. Like Even Breath of the Wild 2. Not even Jeff Grubb would go all the way and say, oh yeah, that's 100% going to be there. No, 51. Because he doesn't know. Nobody knows. Nothing is actually coming out from an image or trailer perspective, unless you're Square Enix. Poor Square Enix. <laughs> Oh, poor Square Enix. The entire press conference leaking to the media. That is insane. Whoops. Um, and not like, we're not talking about a list of stuff. We're talking the actual conference leaked to the media. Oh. And every day, more and more details are trickling out from it. I think the media who's all seen it is like in like this uh, talking to each other behind the scenes and be like, yeah, let's coordinate when we want to release You release stuff. this info, you release Because what's going to happen is eventually some YouTuber or someone's going to get get a hold of it and they're going to be like, I'm going to release it all now. And the yeah, media oh, yeah. is like, we can milk this for oh, yeah. weeks, baby. Yeah. For weeks. Um, and so they're looking at it as consistent traffic for weeks, whereas like a YouTuber like me might be like, oh, let me get that one video to 100K, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. That one video instead of thinking, oh, if I slow leak this, I can get three videos, 10 yeah. videos to 100K. But like, you know, that's the way the media looks at it. They're like, how can we milk this story mm -hmm. and let's collectively milk it versus one out, they're blowing it out, getting their couple million views, and then that's it. Right. Uh, so if you guys don't think the media does that and coordinates behind the scenes, <laughs> you don't really know anything about journalism. I'm just going to be honest with you. When a big leak like this happens, there's definitely court. Look at how the information was coming out for the new Final Fantasy Origins game. There was little new bits of information from various different outlets. Why do you think that was the case when they all saw it? There's coordinated efforts to create multiple traffic across all websites. That's just the way it goes. And to be fair, I'm not wrong. I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. It's really Square's fault and whoever the hell leaked it that <laughs> this is even happening. So I'm sure, I'm sure the upper Square Enix isn't too happy, no. uh, especially with Final Fantasy Origins coming out when I'm pretty sure that was going to be like a massive surprise. 
Did any anyone in the audience right now honestly think they were making a brand new Final Fantasy game when they already have a brand new Final Fantasy game announced? Like, we already know Final Fantasy is coming, exclusively the PlayStation 5. We already know they're, they're working on the next part of Final Fantasy 7. Did anyone see another one like this coming? Maybe a Crystal Chronicles spinoff kind of game. But did we see, like, this kind of game coming, which seems like a big deal game? No. I, this was probably, like, the capper to their show. And so, now we know. So... I'm sure Square's not very happy about that. But hey, whatever. We're two weeks away from get, starting to have all the news come out officially. Because what is it? It's Wednesday. This would officially be like the end. Like, we'd be done already. E3 would be done. Yeah, that's true. We would be. We'd be all done. Yeah. We'd already know everything. We'd be having our well, reaction show after the fact or something. I mean, Maybe, I'm, if I'm, I'm alive. I'm kind of <laughs> thinking with uh, all that stuff getting out there in Microsoft today confirming their plans oh, yep. during E3. Sony's state of play tomorrow. I feel like before the end of this week, Nintendo probably will come out and actually finally give us those plans. Because I am ready. I mm -hmm. want to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's got to be this week. It's yeah, well, well, and like uh, Jeff Grubb kind of su suggested that potentially Nintendo is going to announce their plans on Thursday. Now, he did know... It's not like he knows. He just thinks... He knew Microsoft. He knew the exact time and day. He told us that the day before Microsoft announced. So clearly he heard... Um, and like he, he said, he, he said by the end of the week, we're going to basically know probably 90% of all the E3 plans. Uh, I just hope that 10% that we don't know isn't Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that would, would be a, such a Nintendo thing to do, too, yes, right? Sure to yeah, well, well, think about it. Like, if we head into next week, right? Next week, it, you know, we got June 1st on Tuesday. The, follow, the following week is the week leading up to E3. Yeah. So if we somehow go yeah. into the one week before the week lead up to E3, and we don't know when everybody's going at E3. Something's wrong. Like, how do you get to what, what's basically media week yeah. and not actually know when everyone's, what they're doing at E3? So, like, it has to be this week, right? Like, forget Jeff Grubb. Everything has to be announced this week. It just has to be. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd been coordinating. And so, you know, it was, it was established that Microsoft would announce today what they're doing. So Nintendo would have a different day, like tomorrow or Friday. Do it. Maybe that's why that happened. So yeah, I would think Friday because yeah. I don't think they're going to step on Sony. Or not, I don't think, not, I don't not, think not, they care about Sony's no, no, thing. Not, on not, Thursday. Yeah, because Sony's not involved. So not not step on. Sorry, that was the wrong wording. Not try to be overshadowed by Sony. I don't know that. Oh, so they don't compete. I know. Right, right, right. I, I know. But I don't. I don't think they care about that. I'm going to be honest. Like, here's the thing. Let's say, well, what are we expecting Nintendo to do? Announce the day and time of their show. Maybe tease one game like they do every time. I'll look forward to this game and more. So hopefully, it's Breath yeah. of the Wild yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. They tease. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. And maybe they'll tell us some Treehouse times. Which uh, Samus Hunter suggested that they're going to be that Nintendo's going to be going all four days at least with Treehouse. Which I, I doesn't guys. It's not going to be like Treehouse of the past. We're not getting eight straight hours of Treehouse a day. It's good because ESA is putting on a show. So they're going to have like one hour, two hour segments here and there every single day where they're going to show some gameplay and do some interviews. That's fine. And they might even go on set with, uh, with a game over uh, uh, Greggy and, and, and all those other people, Greg Miller and stuff. They might, Nintendo employees might even come on set and do interviews. Like that could be how it works too. Because remember, they have hosts. So since they have hosts, it could be this whole magical event that's happening mm -hmm. uh, in that way. Uh, but what I heard from Sam, this is like Sam Hunter suggested all four days. Microsoft is going day two. Does that mean Nintendo's big thing's day one? 
possible. If they're there all four days, Maybe. how do they how do they have treehouse before they have their thing? That doesn't make any sense to me. They're Makes more wrong. sense you have your thing oh. here and then you have treehouse the other three days. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. Well, and traditionally, Nintendo normally goes on Tuesday when E3 is a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday event. Yeah. So they typically are on day one of the official E3 show. Yeah. So yeah. maybe they do that on uh, Saturday the 12th. Right? I know maybe people are like, do... well, they never do directs or they never do things on weekends. Yeah, E3's never right. been on a weekend. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's this different is... this year. It's different this, this year. Is... Yeah. E3's so never been on a weekend. No, they could go on Monday. They could be the capper to the whole event. They could go on Tuesday. But it's one of those, is Nintendo going to wait all the way to the end? Now, they could, and then try to blow everyone's minds and be like, hey, we won E3, here you go. <laughs> here's, here's every game that's been rumored and games you didn't know were coming, and we're going to blow your minds and give you our whole slate for the next two years, and you're just going to wet yourself. But the treehouse. The treehouse. Then they would have treehouse. So, like, I mean, they could. And just like, oh, we already announced Splatoon 3. We already talked about Smash. We'll do Treehouse yeah. on those. But, like, really? That's Breath gonna, of the Wild no. 1. That's like the app. Like, you're going to give us. No. I'm sorry. We got to have the show before no, Treehouse. Because then all the things they could talk about on Treehouse are not talked about. What, what they do with Treehouse is they play all the games that lead up to the games that are going to be announced at the end of each Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. So, gosh. Breath of the Wild 1, they play that. They play Splatoon 2. Yeah. Yeah. They play... <laughs> oh, I see what you yeah. No, that would be the lamest thing. I'm sorry. No, please <laughs> yeah. don't do that, Nintendo. So they would get skewered if they did. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I. So personally, uh, I'm 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 actually banking that it's going to end up happening on Saturday. But again, end of the week, we should finally know everything. Um, and as for you know, you're not you worrying about Thursday. The big thing that's happening Thursday that I think Nintendo might care about is Sonic mm-hmm. has their 30th oh, anniversary oh, event that day. Okay. Um, now, I don't know that Nintendo announcing E3 plans overshadows anything. It's not news. It's just. Here's when we're going to have news. I don't think that's really good. Like today, Microsoft announced today, yet there was a Monster Hunter event today, and we have a Dragon Quest event tonight. Yeah. I don't think Nintendo is going to care that other people have events going on because mm-hmm. this, this is just a tweet. This isn't like a video thing that takes up your time. It's a tweet. Yeah. They throw out a tweet with an oh. image saying, here's when we're doing E3. That's it. Guess, you see it, I you're guess, done. Yeah. That's the news. Guess, yeah. Now, we see it, it becomes a 15-minute video. But... <laughs> That's because, hour that's because how can I not get hyped about finally knowing when it's going to happen? Yeah. It's like, I feel like we're going to have a bonus it. podcast episode. It. Yeah, it's possible. Um, so we had a um, another super chat coming here from Ridiculous Richie 89 Thank you for the $5. He says, drives me crazy that we haven't seen a drop of Bayonetta 3 or Metroid, but we have a release date for Pokemon Arceus. Am I the only one? You're probably not. No. We didn't know that game existed. They announced it. A couple months later, we have a release date. Bayonetta 3 announced back in 2017. Still don't know. Same with Metroid Prime 4. Now, granted, we know they did announce in early 2019 rebooting the game. But still, you know, we haven't even seen either of these games. And we haven't heard that Bayonetta 3 was rebooted, so why haven't we at least seen that? Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. But maybe... It's, uh, it's definitely a frustrating situation. But, I mean, the X Factor with Metroid Prime 4 can't be denied. I still feel like we might see Prime 4... But- before the year is over, sure. I don't. I'm not, I don't expect it at next week's. Or next I don't think so. Three. It could be. It could I'm, be by the end of the year. Yeah. I, I feel like kind of more my thinking. Yeah. The, I feel like, like the game awards at the end of the year. I feel like Bayonetta three has a good chance of coming out this year, being like a September release or something, and we're gonna get it blown out at E three, because Nintendo's been doing shorter run ups to game announcements and game releases. 
Uh, you look at, you know, when they announced, uh, what was it, Paper Mario last year to release, when they announced, uh, you know, Pikmin 3 Deluxe is coming over to release, Hyrule Warrior. So they've been doing these shorter announcements to release. I wouldn't be surprised if Bayonetta 3 is at E3 and then they launch it a few months later. I, I don't think that's going to be too shocking. Um, Metro Prime 4, I feel like Metro Prime 4, that's the game that, well, I don't think it's coming this year and I don't think we'll see it at E3. Maybe we will. Maybe they feel like they can announce 2D Metroid without showing a trailer for Metroid Prime 4. It's possible. I think that's possible. Yeah, I actually discussed so, something so similar on one of my videos. Like, that could be one of the best ways to feed people excitement about a 2D Metroid is by coupling it with a trailer for yeah, Prime 4. Just because, because look, Prime 4, it's been in development for two years since the restart, yeah. almost two and a half years. Like, the game is still far away from releasing, but they've got dumb footage yeah. they could give a 45-second yeah, trailer. Yeah, 45-second trailer could... that just says, you know, 2022, 2023, or whatever it says. But, oh, be, like, but yep. be like, while you wait... We got this for you. 2D Metroid. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, they could do that. I think that what's going to happen is they'll mention... I think Metro Prime 4 will get mentioned. I think it's going to be kind of like EJ normally said, hey, I know you see me. You're thinking Breath of the Wild 2. Mm, time out. We need a little bit more time. I think We might see something like that where Nintendo will be like, hey, you know, we want to talk about Metroid. We still need a little bit more time with Metroid Prime 4, but while you wait, here you go. And I think that's probably what's likely going to happen. Or they do address that people want to see it, but they're like, hey, we're not quite ready yet. And then the Game Awards comes, and that's the big game yep. Nintendo shows off the Game Awards. Totally. It makes so much sense. That's what it I think. Makes now, again, it could go any direction. They could not show it at all this year. Who? I mean, mm -hmm. Metroid Prime 4 is the greatest mystery to me because Retro Studios hasn't released a game in seven years. It's been seven years. They could have had two games out in that time. Uh, no games. So like, well, it's seven years, and Reggie had confirmed years ago that they were making a game, <laughs> game. way well, before way, they yeah. So, and we don't know what that game is. We don't know what happened to it. We've well, heard yeah. we've heard Star Fox it's Racing, not... but like we haven't seen anything. So what do we know? You know. <sighs> all right. Well, I think that's going to do it because we got to wrap this thing up because you got to head off and have your dinner and be with the family and all yeah. that jazz. Um, thank you so yeah. much, Rule of Two Review, for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. Um, sure. It's a lot of fun to have guests on for the first time. This is really great. We're yeah. clearly going to have you on again because that was a good vibe. Yeah. Don't worry Please, about cutting me it. off, by the way. Yeah, right. Cut me off all the time. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. And Andre's I'm restart. trying to balance, you know. Andre's restart comes on. I'll start talking, and he's like, Nate, shut up for a second, blah, blah, blah. And then he just talks yeah. for like a half hour, yeah. and I'm like, all right, man, we're Perfect. good. Yeah. Tell me to Andres tell me to is a good dude. Andres is a good dude. He's a friend of mine, too. I saw yeah. him on the podcast. Yeah, you were on his Very podcast, too, I think, weren't you, the other day? Or yeah, I've been on a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. He's been trying to get me on. the. Pro I told him the problem is he does it on Sunday nights, and like I don't do that stuff on, on weekends. That's my family time, you know? So, yeah. It's, um, it's been hard for me, too, but it's a great show. I, you I can make it on. Yeah, I told him, I told him, I want to make it one time. It, it just the timing has to be right. Mm -hmm. um, to line up, maybe, maybe E three time he will be it because um, you know if he does his podcast on Sunday that night, mm -hmm. perfect time to come guest on. Yeah, yeah. Because we'll be done with E three coverage at that point and come on his podcast and keep the hype going. Basically, my streaming doesn't stop after the twelve hours. I got to go on yeah, a three hour podcast. You, you gotta get life. some sleep, Nate. Say, you you no, gotta no, sleep. there's no sleep during E three. <laughs> not this year, probably not. No, there was there hasn't been when I gone to E3. Yeah. I'm up to like 3 a.m. editing videos, waking up at 5 a.m. to get back to the show floor. So, uh -huh. oh yeah. my god, I remember watching. Not you. Um, I let you get some sleep because I'm like Eric. I got one computer. What are we gonna right. do? I got it. You yeah. go to bed. This is I'm, I get paid for this. You know. <laughs> I, I remember watching you guys react to something at E3 in a hotel room like yes. a couple years ago. I, yes. I might have been 
Yeah. Zelda? Well, I don't remember yes. what it was. Yeah, probably yeah, Zelda. Probably Zelda. Yeah, it was Zelda. Yeah, yeah. It, was very, it was very cool. Very yeah, cool. We, and, and we specifically go to that hotel when we go there because the internet is good enough mm-hmm. to stream. And mm-hmm. the pool is amazing. Mark. <laughs> what? And the pool oh, is the amazing. Oh, the pool is amazing. Yeah. I do miss yeah. the food, the breakfast, yeah, the breakfast of the other, the other, other place. But, way better. Well, but very hard to get into yeah. that parking lot. That part sucks. Oh, for sure. And I don't, I, actually, I don't think, we, did we try to stream from there that year? I don't think we tried. I don't think we did. That was 2016. I don't yeah. think we were live reacting. No, because that was our first year there, so we were just trying to figure out. How yeah, and that was the Zelda, Zelda Informer days where yes. we didn't really care yes. about YouTube. Either. Right, there's that too. So they might have good enough internet there. Don't know. Yeah. Anything? Anything he wants to? You want to pull? Yeah. Up? Anything you want to? Uh, you know, let people know you have coming up here. Or? Uh, yeah. So again, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, my channel name is Rule of Two Review. Uh, my name is Rob. The channel's Rule of Two Review. Um, I do have uh, a video coming on Pikmin series, so that's kind of a, nice. a deep dive exploration. I've been spending some time doing that on a couple of Nintendo franchises. I covered. I always do it with Metroid, but I recently covered F Zero in depth, and I covered Star Fox in depth. An opportunity you might see on the Switch. So that's one of my next big ones coming up. Uh, hopefully, before the end of the week, is something on Pikmin. I mean, I upload several videos every week anyway. Sure. I'm covering all the E3 stuff right along with you guys too. So it's been a. Uh, but it's a ton of fun, and I appreciate being on, man. It was a lot of fun to finally. We've known each other for so long, but we've never yeah, really talked. So this this was the first time. It was really yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it was funny too. At the very beginning, like I was saying your name, and the people in the chat were like, "Who's Rob? Who's Rob? Who's Rob?" I'm like, "Oh right, <laughs> the TV oh, man." Oh, all right, all right. I forget that people might not know your name. Whoops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Anyways, um, all right. Well, you guys can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are heard: Spotify, iTunes, all that jazz. We put the audio version up. I try to get it up, like, same night. Usually doesn't happen. Usually comes the next day. It is what it is. I do my best. I'm typically a one-man show. Even right after this podcast, we got cable management and other things we got to get done here uh, tonight. Might pull up another little bit of a, a, a little bit live stream later, maybe a 45-minute one, just to retest everything, make sure we didn't break it, make sure we don't have the audio issues again. So future streams coming up. Like, we have other things to react to coming up, like we have uh, Summer Game Fest and other things, and I want to make sure things work. Um, plus, I'm, I'm thinking if there's a Nintendo announcement for E3, we might end up having a bonus cast this week, yeah. like a little quick 45-minute one, just Eric and I chit-chatting away. But we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you guys for, for tuning in. Uh, you can follow Eric on Twitter at Emo8790. Uh, he probably won't respond, but, I mean, you can, you can tweet at him. And I see it. He'll, he'll, he'll read it. Yeah. He'll, he'll text me, oh, Corey. Yeah, right. And I'll be like, yeah. what did he say to you now? Yeah. Dragging me into some drama. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you guys know where you can find me. This is the Nintendo Prime Podcast. Type in Nintendo Prime in Google. I'm all over the place. Yeah. All right. Catch you guys in the next episode. Yeah.